The People's Constitution, the path to empowerment of Australians in a 21st century democracy by Bronwyn Kelly. Read by Bronwyn Kelly. Introduction, Part 2. The Structure of This Book. This book plots a path to empowerment of Australian citizens in their democracy by alteration of the Constitution. Broadly, the path can be charted by insertion of a new preamble and an extra chapter into the current Constitution and a range of smaller, consequential alterations and amendments to existing chapters. The additional preamble and chapter will function as the means of inserting the Australian people into the Constitution, thereby establishing it as the Australian People's Constitution. The additions would have the effect of increasing the shares of power held by the Australian people in democracy, such that, as electors, they will have power beyond their current limited role as mere voters. They would also clarify the location of the sovereign will, transferring it from the current sovereign to the people, but within a system of checks and balances that reduces the potential for abuse of power by any party empowered by the Constitution, including the Parliament, the Governor-General, the Executive Government, the States, the Territories, the Judicature and the people themselves. Specifically, the additions are also designed to enable the Australian people to express their sovereign people's will, first by stating their values as a nation, secondly by enshrining their human rights, and thirdly by establishing a right to create a national people's voice alongside an Indigenous voice. Additions enabling the people to express their will are considered throughout the book to be essential to the democratic process by which sovereignty and any use of power it implies may be legitimately authorised. It is a fundamental premise of this book that sovereignty, especially sovereignty within a democracy, cannot be rightly defined as the property of a monarch or an elected parliament much less an exclusive property which, once attained, requires no further explication. Sovereignty in that definition enshrines powerlessness for the people and as such defeats democracy. Accordingly, the book works on a different definition of sovereignty, namely that it is the product of the people's will and can be neither legitimised nor authorised unless and until the people have expressed that will. The additions of a new preamble and a people's chapter are offered to create a means by which the people of Australia may assemble themselves to express that sovereign will in the form of terms of trust, which they may issue to those they elect and to which the elected should swear to be faithful and bear true allegiance. In this new arrangement of democracy, the power to determine the national interest and the power to make laws to promote it are separated, whereas Currently, those two powers are conflated into one body, the Parliament. In the separation, the people would be accorded their rightful primary role of determining the national interest and the elected parliaments and governments would retain their respective legislative and executive roles. In the new system of rightfully shared powers, the Parliament would essentially be offered something it currently does not have, a guidance system about the will of the people their description of their best interests. 
This guidance system can enable the Parliament to work together with any and all Australians to chart a safe course to the better future we genuinely desire. The smaller alterations and amendments, of which there are only four, would in the main have the function of reducing the capacity for abuse of power by individuals or institutions already empowered under the Constitution. In effect, none of these additions or smaller amendments would reduce the primacy of the Federal Parliament's role as the maker of laws for the Commonwealth of Australia, nor would they reduce the role of the executive government or change the distribution of powers as it operates now between the Parliament, the executive government, the states and the judicature. They would simply provide a clearer context in which the powers of these entities may and may not be exercised consistent with the sovereign people's will. However, insofar as the additions and alterations may affect a change in the location of the sovereign will, namely from the British Crown, where it now exists, to the Australian people, they will have the effect of changing the powers of the Crown and or its representative relative to the powers of other parties enabled by the new constitution. They will also have the effect of clarifying the power of the Prime Minister in relation to decisions on war. For these purposes, the book is divided into three parts. Part one is called From Representative Democracy to a People's Democracy, Finding the Path to Empowerment of Australians. And chapter one is about the limits of Australia's representative democracy. This chapter explains the rationale behind the new suggested preamble and extra chapter in the Constitution, first by exploring the history and characteristics of Australia's current representative democracy, and then by examining the past performance of that political structure and its capacity to deliver well-being and security for Australians in the future. It examines how power is distributed exclusively now and why it needs to be distributed inclusively if we are to prosper as a free nation. Chapter 1 also suggests that a key factor affecting the need for a new inclusive power system has arisen from the fact that Australia's First Nations have called for a coexistence of sovereignties. The conclusion is that if an Indigenous voice is to have the best chance of actually working to the benefit of Aborigines and Torres Strait Islanders, it will be necessary not just to enshrine the Indigenous voice in the Constitution, but to revise the Constitution itself so that it can support a sufficiently powerful voice for both Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australians. This is the minimum necessary for a coexistence of viable sovereignties. Chapter 2 is about setting a path to power for the people. This chapter begins to set out how Australia can step away from the merely representative system of governance we call a democracy and jump to a fuller, genuine mode of democracy, a participatory democracy. It examines the failure of Western models of democracy, which are confined to representative government, looking closely at America's experience as a key example of the drawbacks of exclusivity in governance. With those lessons learned, it then begins to examine how Australia can avoid these failures by using a different model for a new democracy, a model which is inspired by the proposal 
for a First Nations voice in the Constitution and which can be built on to create Australia as a fully inclusive democracy. The proposal to rescue a better democracy for Australia is essentially to chart a path to empowerment of the Australian people in their constitution. Chapter 2 begins to scope how this may be achieved if the constitution is rebuilt by Australians so that it defines for the first time what the nation stands for, what we value, what we regard as inalienable rights and what we envisage as the minimum necessary capacity to design our preferred future, our willingly shared destiny, and to determine our preferred path towards it. It scopes the design of a new democratic public square in which the Australian people can organise their voice. It also introduces discussion of how this public square can be organised in a single space on the internet. This is a mechanism for a public square which will allow democracy to thrive on a wider scale than has been possible to date. Chapter 2 concludes with the discussion about whether Australia is ready for this new type of democracy in which diverse voices have a greater say about the future of the country and how different they may want it to be from the past. It suggests that Australians of the 2020s are ready to build a people's constitution and can expect to be successful in remaking their nation if and only if, they start all over again, this time with a constitution which makes space for all their voices and enables them to express their sovereign people's will. Then comes part two, which is called Constituting a Nation According to a People's Sovereign Will. Within that, chapter three is about finding a place to start. This begins by examining where best to start if we are to create an inclusive democracy, one in which diverse people and cultures can efficiently and meaningfully participate and hold those they elect to account. The discussion suggests that because so much has changed in our nation's attitudes and circumstances since the Constitution was framed in 1901, that document is now largely discordant with values that might be expected in a multicultural, gender-equal, universally-enfranchised, class-conscious but relatively wealthy society. Chapter 3 also sets out how the current Australian constitution is geared to override the people's will. It concludes by suggesting that if Australia is to escape its ineffective power system and start again as a strong nation, ready for 21st century challenges it will need to do more than apply piecemeal amendments to the Constitution. Chapter 4 is about the essentials for a new start as a nation. This chapter sets out the scope of the task of establishing the Australian People's Constitution. It discusses how difficult or easy this transformation of our power arrangements may be for both the electors and the elected, and whether if it is to be successful in providing the nation with a new start, the Constitution will require minor alteration or more extensive additions and alterations. The chapter works on the assumption that it is necessary to inject the people of Australia into their own Constitution so that they can establish fairer shares of power. In this new arrangement, the people will still have the final say, as they do now, on who ought to govern, but they will also have the first say 
on what those they elect may and may not do with the power they are being given. The chapter introduces the essential elements of this new type of constitution. As a minimum, these include mechanisms and processes that will enable and indeed require Australians to, one, build a statement of their values as a society, two, enshrine human rights and obligations in law, along with a process for conferring and protecting rights, three, enshrine a system or process which will lift the voice of Australians to a level of coherence at which their will can be understood and actively fulfilled by the elected, and finally, it will require Australians to, four, freshly describe some mechanisms for reduction of abuse of power. These are the essential elements of the guidance that elected parliamentarians need and that electors need if they are to start again as a nation. Chapter 5 is about the first of these four essential elements of this new constitution, a statement of Australian values. The chapter explores research about the attitudes of Australians on things that matter to them as both individuals and as a society. The purpose is to compile a draft list of values that Australians can consider in any exercise to build a new preamble in the Constitution. The discussion also poses the view that a specific value statement authorised by the people will change the parameters of power for the elected by setting out the overarching terms of trust between electors and the elected. Once these terms are in place, the electors are entitled to expect that laws will accord with their values, not undermine them. This is a whole new way of authorising power, one which places the public interest and purpose of the nation at the heart of the Constitution. No longer will the Constitution focus solely on the process for who might be elected. It will also describe what they are elected for, the overarching purpose of the nation, the value of it, and the reason why we wish in the 21st century to persist with the agreement we made 120 years earlier to unite in one indissoluble federal commonwealth. Chapter 5 ends with a proposed starting draft of a statement of Australian values for insertion as a preamble in a people's constitution. This draft statement is based on the voices of Australians as they have expressed their preferences for and against various values in surveys and commentary in the 21st century. The starting draft is offered as a contribution to community deliberations, an opportunity for which may arise if a new constitutional convention is established. Chapter 6 is about the second of these four essential elements of this new constitution, a national agreement on human rights and obligations. This chapter begins by setting out a history of how rights have been withheld from Australians, even though Australia is a signatory to several treaties which have established our rights in international law, and even though official Australian policy statements support the principle that these rights are universal, indivisible, inherent and inalienable. The chapter examines how Australian governments have displayed only a sporadic willingness to extend human rights to Australians and to be held accountable for abuses of those rights. 
It traces a connection between that reluctance of successive federal governments to grant equal rights to Australians and an increasing pattern of abuse by state and federal governments of the rights of many Australians and other people. Discussion centres then on how the increasing tendency of governments to abuse those rights has arisen from three main cultural mindsets, each of which has been destructive of the freedoms and liberties that Australians clearly value. The three most destructive mindsets are suggested as 1. The perceived need to counter threats of terrorism. 2. The desire to thwart natal title claims. And 3. The desire of Australian governments to build support for war. The chapter sets out how these mindsets are promoted to convince Australians that they are necessary for protection of their rights, prosperity and freedoms. But it shows that these mindsets have instead come to function as a threat to our human rights and freedoms. Inasmuch as the Constitution itself makes no place for human rights and does not even safely enshrine the right to vote, Australians are defenceless against the increasing pattern of abuse of their rights by governments. They are living without protection of their rights in law and have no means of holding governments to their obligations to ensure Australians can enjoy the full benefit of the rights conferred in international treaties, particularly the right to self-determination. Accordingly, Chapter 6 proposes a new system for enshrining human rights and obligations in the Constitution and it assesses both the risks and benefits that may arise from that. Important benefits include that the reform process will enable all Australians to exercise the right of self-determination and by virtue of that right to freely determine their political status and freely pursue their economic, social and cultural development, something Australians cannot do now. A second important benefit is to enable Australia to reset the constitution itself so that it is more likely to be capable of supporting a coexistence of sovereignties and a stable treaty with First Nations. The proposed new system for enshrining human rights and obligations in the Constitution via a national agreement rather than a bill or charter is predicated on the principle that the Australian people are the sovereign source of power in their own land and therefore they, and not their parliaments, are the legitimate authority for purposes of determining that human rights shall be lawful in Australia. In this context, the chapter proposes that Australians should consider making a national agreement to confer on themselves and each other equally all the human rights already available to them under international law, but denied to them in domestic law because of the Constitution's silence on rights. Chapter 7 is about the third of these four essential elements of this new constitution, a process for expression of the Australian people's national voice. The concept of this voice stems from the realisation that in our current arrangement of democracy, where we hand over power in elections without instructions, we lose our voice as soon as we have voted. The chapter sets out how a national people's voice is most likely to be expressed in the form of a statement about what Australians want to achieve as a nation in the future, what they wish to become in national character. More specifically, the national people's voice is envisaged as a fundamental right. The proposal is that 
The people of Australia shall be enabled to exercise a right to express their sovereign will for the future of their society, environment, economy and democracy, and that expression of this sovereign will for the future shall take the form of a collaboratively assembled and regularly monitored and reviewed integrated plan for the well-being and security of all Australians over the longer term, up to 30 years, and that for purposes of assisting the people in orderly composition of their national voice, there shall be an independent commission for national engagement and integrated planning. It is suggested that this commission will be fully independent of the parliament, the executive government and any corporate entities. The overarching intention of the proposal is to help Australians in all their diversity establish a stronger relationship of mutual trust and respect with the federal parliaments they elect. For that purpose, the chapter concludes that it is the right to express the national voice that must be enshrined in the Constitution, rather than any particular statement of aspirations for the future that may arise from the process of expression of that voice. The chapter envisages that the right to a national people's voice would be justiciable, but the voice itself would not be binding on any government. The intention is to install sufficient but not overweening power for the people in the Constitution in such a way as to ensure that they can express their will without undermining the system of representative government. Instead, it should enhance the capacity for responsible behaviour in that system. Chapter 8 is about the fourth essential element of this new constitution, a small set of priority constitutional amendments for an inclusive democracy. The chapter discusses a selection of four amendments that are fundamental to the protection of Australia's democracy and should be applied regardless of whether Australians accept the need for a people's constitution, a republic or a constitutionally enshrined Indigenous voice. The chapter considers how democracies are in decline worldwide and that some communities in Australia have already tried to circumvent the decline of their own democracy by establishing an array of mechanisms for strengthening democratic processes at the local level. These include citizens' juries and processes for co-design of individual policies by citizens and politicians. It is noted that these processes have excellent potential to re-empower those Australians fortunate enough to get the opportunity to participate. But those opportunities tend to arise ad hoc, and because there is no overarching plan in which any piecemeal local democratic decisions can be assessed, there is only a limited potential for national benefit overall. In response, it is suggested that the support that federal politicians need most from the Australian people can best be organised by the inclusive reforms outlined in Chapters 5, 6 and 7. However, these reforms would be more effective if accompanied by some other, more localised reforms to 1. The mechanics of the election system 2. The powers of the Governor-General 3. The powers of the Prime Minister on war and four, the power of the Parliament to make laws based on race. Finally, in part three, I discuss the practical paths to empowerment of the Australian people. In chapter nine, 
I discuss the democratic processes by which Australians might alter their constitution. I then examine the potential obstructions to those processes and suggest options for overcoming these obstructions. The chapter also highlights the fact that time is running out for Australians to secure their rights and freedoms and to secure their future safety in the face of climate change and global conflict. The final chapter, Chapter 10, summarises the benefits to Australia that can arise from a people's constitution that is structured to enshrine political equality by enshrining values, rights, obligations and voices, including an Indigenous voice and a National People's voice. It outlines how and why it is essential to rewrite the constitution along these lines, to add more capacity for responsible government into the current system of merely representative government, and why a rightful share of power should be accorded to the people alongside shares of power held by the Federal Parliament and the Executive Government, the Judicature, the States and the Governor-General. Benefits include a safer passage to a sustainable future where well-being and security are reliably available to all, and the possibility of a stable coexistence of sovereignties based on self-determination. It outlines how power can be distributed to enable diverse people and groups of people to find a way to live and prosper together.